Well, um, I've got a couple questions for you to start off. Here we go. Question number one, how do you get abundance in your life? How do you get abundance in your life? Number two, why prosperity is not always what you think? Okay. And then number three, what is the deepest emotion we feel when we're being called to follow Jesus? What's the deepest emotion you feel when we're being called to Jesus, to follow Jesus? All right, Luke chapter 5 is where we're going to be today, and it's going to answer those questions. Luke chapter 5. If you have your Bibles, uh, I would encourage you, bring them to church with you, open them up. Um, If you have a smart device that has the Bible app, click onto it. So where you've been tracking, we've tracked, um, we skipped over the first actually part of Luke because we just came out of Christmas. We talked about that, the birth of Jesus Christ. Then we uh, talked about Jesus, uh, John the Baptist and Jesus being baptized in Jordan River. Uh, the Holy Spirit descended upon him, filled with the Holy Spirit like a dove. God saying, this is my son who I'm well pleased. Jesus last week, Jesus is tempted in the desert, goes to the desert for 40 uh, days and is tempted at the end of that time, and we talked about how the, the benefits of temptation and actually propels us into our calling if we can allow it to. And then today, uh, Luke chapter 5, and this is Jesus calling his disciples. Jesus calling his disciples. So we're going to read that together first. I'm not going to read all of Luke today, but we're going to read the first part, and let's read this together. Luke Chapter 5. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of uh, Gennesaret. Well, actually, it's the Sea of Galilee is the other. um, It's a freshwater body of water. It's a lake. And he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon, that we would know that later as Simon Peter, Peter who denied Jesus three times, here he is, the first time we see him, he asked him to put out a little from the land, Jesus did, got in his boat, pushed out uh, from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat, and when he had finished speaking, he said to them, Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took in nothing. But as your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they uh, enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partner in the other boat to come and help them. And when they came and filled the boats, so, so much so, they began to sink. So just picture that for a moment. All right? a, a fisherman's boat, Sea of Galilee, so much fish that the boat began to sink. Almost. A lot of fish. But when, when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he... For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish uh, that they had uh, taken. And so were James and John. Now here we go, some other disciples being not not James, the brother of Jesus. This is uh, the son of Zebedee. 
Um, oh, it says this, James and John, sons of Zebedee. Okay, we already knew that. Uh, who were partners with Simon, and Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will uh, be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. They left everything and followed him. So we're going to pause there for a little moment. So we're going to start talking about the first question of how do you get abundance in your life? So the interesting thing about this account of Jesus calling his disciples, they were fishing all night long, caught nothing, and then upon the instruction of Jesus, their boats were overflowing. What do you need to get from this? Uh, On the practical side of life, it's your effort and energy can only take you so far. You want abundance in your life, listen for the voice of God and do what he says. It's a really simple principle, but so much of the time we get into the rhythm and ruts of life and just start making you know, wise, good decisions, but we don't consult God or we don't listen for the Holy Spirit. So I know what you're already saying and saying, great, if, Jesus, if I was in the boat with Jesus and Jesus spoke, okay, I would do something. First of all, they didn't really know who this Jesus was quite yet. They were being called um, to be followers of him, his disciples. But they obeyed the voice of Jesus and they had this abundant catch. I would encourage you, I would implore you to be seeking after the voice of the Holy Spirit, that still small voice, and be, a- be asking, what do you want me to do, Lord? What do you want me to do at this moment in time? Where, what do you want me to put my hands to and allow him to speak and then you follow through and allow his abundance to take place? Now, I'm not saying that every single time Jesus speaks there's abundance, but I'm saying if you are tired of trying to do it your own way, Try Jesus' way. All right. Point number one. Point number two, though, is why is prosperity not always what you think? You see, sometimes we equate uh, being prosperous or abundance as sometimes God's blessing. But I would encourage you, he blessed them with abundance, and then they walked away from being fishermen. Isn't that interesting? I I think sometimes we can think of, like we pray all the time, God, I want your blessing and I want your abundance only to stop the conversation and think that the abundance and the blessing and the prosperity is the answer to the question. The question is, what is Jesus saying? And now Jesus says, come follow me. They dropped their nets, left everything behind and followed Jesus. It is hard. It's hard to think about. I I know when I was uh, in my, oh, it's the year I got married, 1993, so long ago. (laughs) 29 years this year, baby. Come on. But I remember it was my real encounter with the Lord. I grew up in the church, but I, I didn't have the power to follow him, and I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit in my living room of a house that I bought. This is dating me, but I bought my first house for $42,000. <laughs> um, but anyways, I was in my living room, and I remember uh, this person who was, who was praying with me and, and allowing me to experience the Holy Spirit. He was 
prophesying over my life, and I had no clue. I grew up in a Presbyterian church. I had no clue what this whole idea of prophecy is. But he started saying things that so resonated so deep inside of me, and he was saying, like, he's telling me about my past. He's telling me about my future. And it's like, no, how could anybody know this? But the Spirit of God was, Holy Spirit was telling him these things. And one of the things he said, though, is that God would prosper me and millions of dollars would flow through my life. I was like, so I went to school for business. I was like, so my interpretation of it is I'm going to be a millionaire. <laughs> right? We, we take bits and pieces of what God says to us and we kind of misinterpret. Well, at that time, so, so by the way, I, I'm thinking, okay. And, and I think there's some timelines that were given in that. And so uh, I'm a young man and I'm thinking, okay, by the time I'm 30, I'm going to be a millionaire. Well, that didn't happen until I was 32. I know, shocker, right? But I, I had a business that um, was prosperous. And, uh, you know, I put it on paper. I had a house on the coast of Maine. I had, multi- I had an apartment building in Concord. I had multiple houses. I was a land developer. And my net worth was over a million. I don't have that now. Don't worry. Your pastor's not rolling in the dough. Um, <laughs> But, but I have to say, at that moment, God allowed me to taste it just for a moment. And then right thereafter, he calls me and says, by the way, I want you to start a nonprofit doing clean water in Africa, um, helping those who are in extreme poverty, getting them out. And then he calls me into ministry, and I sell my brand new house and go buy a, a, a significantly less expensive house, an old farmhouse that had a dirt floor and rats in it. <laughs> Um, and, but that's okay. That's okay because God was leading me to some place. But, but at that pinnacle moment of having the stuff, I thought that was the answer to the dream that somehow God was prospering me and that was evidence of it only to realize that God gave me a taste of it to say, that's not it. <laughs> and then he rerouted my life to say, Okay, but when you're following me, are you listening to my voice and are you, are you doing what I'm asking you to do? See, we follow to a certain extent and then we get prosperous and then we say, oh, that's the answer and then we just lock into that and, and we start losing the very place that we need to be, the posture that we need to be, which is continue to listen to the voice and follow what he's doing. So Jesus calls his disciples. He prospers them with probably the biggest catch they've ever had. And then he calls them away from being fishermen and says, you are now going to be fishers of men. When Jesus calls each one of us, he does start with what he is, what we're doing, right? He meets us where we're at to bring us to where he wants us to go. He meets us where we're at, but then he doesn't keep us there. He brings us to where he wants us to go, and he did that with his first disciples. They were fishermen, but then he wanted them to become fishers of men. I also love this, how Jesus takes that um, where we have started, and he always relates it in some way. I don't believe that God will just kind of, he's put desires in your heart, right? And we might get a little misguided and off course a little bit, but he'll take the very thing that he's put in our heart, the desires, but then he shifts them for his purposes and we get to go on this journey with him. But this journey does come at a cost. So let me just talk about what, um, 
when Jesus calls Matthew, the tax collector. That's in the same chapter, Luke chapter 5. Let's just read that together, verse 27. And this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi. Now, that was the other name for Matthew, Levi, sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And leaving everything, he rose to follow him. Now, again, Peter um, and the others left their nets, followed. Matthew leaves his tax collecting job, follows. And Levi made him a great feast in his house. And there was a large company of tax collectors and other reclining at the table with them. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, those who are well have no need for a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but um, the sinners to repentance. Okay, here's another calling. So Jesus meets with Levi, Matthew, tax collector. It's always interesting they, that, that the first reaction of the abundance, Peter falls to his knees and he just wants to repent because he begins to understand who Jesus is. It was actually the abundance that caused him to repent. Here um, with Matthew, Jesus comes, and tax collectors back in the day, by the way, were um, kind of scoundrel people. They were kind of low class. You know, we love the IRS here, right? <laughs> it was worse back then because it wasn't, they always didn't always follow the rules, right? There was a lot of bribery. There was a lot of like coercion. And there was like, sometimes they would collect more than they were supposed to. And here Jesus, by the way, this should give you hope. If you're a scoundrel, <laughs> if you're a dirtbag, <laughs> none of you are, by the way. None of you are. But if sometimes you feel like you're less than and, and, and you have a past, can I tell you what? Jesus loves to work with you and I, by the way. He loves to work with people like us. And I was the dirtbag that Jesus called. <laughs> but the interesting thing, when we encounter Jesus, we fall to our knees and say, oh my Jesus, you love me that much that you call me into your kingdom purposes. Of course I want to follow you. Of course I want to follow you. But, but I want to say something about what's the deepest emotion we feel when we're being called to discipleship. It's fear. It's fear. Jesus says, fear not in this when he calls him, fear not. And why is it that he's saying he addresses the thing of fear? Because I think so much of our lives are built around our routines and our security and the, um, yeah, just the, the, the routines of life. Because when he calls us, he calls us out of something to something, and when he's called, he calls us, he asks us to lay things down. And that can feel very uncomfortable, feel very vulnerable. And yet, it's the very thing that Jesus calls us to, to be faithful followers of him. And again, I know what you're saying. It's like, well, 
Jesus is not here in person. I, I think I maybe could follow better if I saw him in person. Jesus said, it's good that he were to go because he's giving us another, the Holy Spirit, who we will follow. Because the Holy Spirit points our attention to Jesus and speaks to us today. We don't have to be thinking, well, we don't have Jesus' voice. We have his word, which is Jesus' voice, but, but we also have the Holy Spirit that can speak to us to help us. The other thing about fear is we, we feel like we're inadequate, right? We fear that we have been a failure and we'll just fail Jesus as well. We're fearful of our past mistakes and we're fearful of letting things go that are so temporary. The things of this world, by the way, are very temporary, right? We have heard the story many times, right? You're, you're not bringing your um, big tractor trailer load of stuff into your, the cemetery to be buried with you. It, it, it goes bye-bye, right? And here we find, in a few other places in the Bible, in Mark chapter 10, Jesus says something to a rich man. And by the way, if you're wondering if you're rich or poor, in the U.S., we are all rich. Even if you're on Social Security, even if you're on some sort of state assistance, comparatively, we are very wealthy um, to the rest of the world. But here's what he says to this rich man in Mark chapter 10. So this, and he was um, sitting, uh, sorry, setting out on his journey. A man uh, ran up, knelt before him, and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Okay, good question. And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness or lie. Uh, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. Kids, honor your father and mother. You got those ones, right? And for all of us, we'd say, okay, yeah, I relate. I, I'm, I'm doing good. I've checked some boxes. And he says, and he said to him, teacher, all these things I've kept from, uh, from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him. Uh, that's interesting. It's really important that you know this. He didn't look at him with contempt. He looked at him with love in his eyes and say, oh, I got so much good for you. You don't even know. And then he goes on to say this. But you lack one thing. Go sell all that you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Come follow me. Okay, this come follow me is the same come follow me as he's saying to Matthew. Is come follow me as he's saying to Peter, James, and John, come follow me. And they drop everything. They leave everything behind and go follow Jesus. And, and we kind of are like, okay, yeah, I think I could do that. Like you're thinking about if I were a fisherman. In a moment, I'm going to challenge you to think about your life right now and say, can you leave everything and go follow Jesus? But here we go. The, the rich man, which we're all rich, He says this, disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. He had a 
house on the coast of Maine. He had an apartment building in Concord. He had multiple houses and a bank account. And he went away sad because he had great compa- uh, possessions. And he says, how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said to them, children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God? It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Now, I'm not going to get in this whole eye of the needle um, type of thing. But basically, it's saying wealth becomes an issue for us because it possess, our possessions can possess us. Who owns what? I, I'm preparing this message and I'm thinking this. If Jesus asks me to give everything, sell everything, give it all away, including my retirement account that I've worked so hard to fund. <laughs> right? Do you hear that? I've worked so hard to fund my retirement. Now, I'm saying retirement is good. I'm saying, you know, planning for a future is good. But who, who's the authority in this? Is it Dave Ramsey or is it God? <laughs> right? Could I literally walk away from it all if Jesus asked me to follow him? I'll be honest with you. At this stage of my life, it's a little bit easier when you're in your 20s and you don't have much. (laughs) It's a lot harder when you get established and you've worked really hard to make some plans for the future. And yet, Jesus comes to this moment and says, it's hard for people who have wealth to follow me because I think our ears start to get dim to those things of the cost of being a disciple of Jesus because the cost all of a sudden seems to get pretty high or what we think is pretty high. In Luke chapter 12, there's another analogy that Jesus gives. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide his inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me judge or an arbiter over you? I love that Jesus always asks a question, right? He's like trying to pick something out of his heart. And he said to them, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist of the abundance of his possessions. Why is it that God gave them a super large catch of fish before he called them away to following him? Could that also have been a test of their heart? Well, Jesus, you just prospered me, and and therefore my prosperity means I'm definitely in the right place. I'm definitely in the center of God's will, because look at this abundance. And Jesus says, leave it all. Come follow me. And he told them a parable, saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully, and he thought to himself, 
What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. So he opened up another 401k and another retirement plan, investment account, and he said, yes, that's what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build larger ones, and there, will, there I will store all of my grain and my goods, and I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years to relax, eat, drink, drink and be merry, and go to Florida and sit on the beach, or maybe Hawaii, or... You know, sipping those drinks that have those nice little umbrellas on it, I can just imagine. The virgin kind, of course. The virgin kind. But God said to him, fool, the, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, those, whose will those be? Those things you've re, uh, prepared. Whose, whose will they be? Fool, this night your soul is required of you. So it is the one who lays up treasures for himself and is not rich towards God. So is the one who lays up treasures for himself and is not rich towards God is like this guy who is very foolish. Okay, so let me be clear on a few things. Money's not wrong. A retirement account is not wrong. Saving for your future is very wise. But when we can't hear the voice of God to say, will you drop everything? Will you sell everything? Will you leave everything? And we walk away sad because we can't do it any longer. And Jesus says, with a, with a heart and love in his eyes, I, this heart saddens me because I have great things in store for you. When the Bible says that everybody's called, right? Because some of you are saying, well, that's the disciples. I'm not really the disciple, right? That's good for the disciples. Okay, their cost was going to be greater. But can I tell you what? We're called to be, every one of us, called to be a follower of Jesus. Do we agree to that? We're all called to be disciples of Jesus, followers of Jesus. And when it says that everybody is called, but not but only a few are chosen. That's in a time that Jesus was talking about the parable of the, the wedding banquet or the wedding feast. And, and the greater interpretation of this is everyone is called, but not everyone makes the choice to be chosen. Because the cost of following Jesus can be too hard. But what Jesus is trying to encourage us and, and trying to instruct us today is, is realizing that don't get too entangled with the worldly affairs. Don't get building things so much that you get so attached to it, it actually owns you and you can no longer respond to the voice of God who really wants to own our soul.
who wants to say, pss, 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 hey, I'm calling you to something. And we can't say, well, I, I got this, I've got this. We've got band practice, we've got cheerleading, we've got, you know, all these things, God, I've got to do first. And, and yet, God says, I have so much more for you. You don't realize all these amazing things I have for you for the kingdom, which, by the way, lasts for all eternity. And here we are on a blip, a life for a blip. And yet we put so much time for the blip that we don't realize that the time that we can be using in the blip, I'm saying blipping off a lot, <laughs> by the time we're living in this blip actually affects our whole eternity. It affects our whole eternity. The blip affects our whole eternity. And yet when we get so tied into the things of this world that make, honestly, very little difference for the kingdom. Now, some of you are called into business. I'm leading a business group right now, a small group called Faith Driven Entrepreneur. And, and we need business leaders to make incredible wealth to fund the kingdom of God. So, so hear me. I'm not saying that you have to live poor as a pauper. You'd miss the point if it is. I'm just saying, do your possessions possess you? Or does God possess your heart that you'll be able to drop anything at a drop of a hat to say, Jesus, here I am. I'm your disciple. I'm your follower. I will go where you lead me. I will eat what you feed me. Missionaries used to say that, right? Uh, I will go where you follow me. I will eat what you feed me because everybody's a little nervous about all foreign food. But, but the whole point is, it's like discipleship is really followership. Are, are you willing to follow the voice, that still small voice that says, would you lay this down to come follow me? And the laying down is so, it's not always material things. A lot of times it is, but your career, your job, your family. I want to read one last scripture here. Matthew 22, verse 14. Well, this is a section where it says, many are called, but few are chosen from that wedding feast. What I was looking for is when the scripture... Maybe you can reference this later, but the scripture that talks about anyone that has left father, mother, brother, and sister, and you include a lot of things that you're leaving that you think are really important to you, that when he begins to say, would you begin to lay these things down? Then he goes on to say, how much more will I give you in return? Tenfold hundredfold 
So you, you can't think that it's like I'm laying it down and then God doesn't see the cost of that sacrifice and not reward you for your obedience. I, I know it can seem hard. I know it can seem really difficult. But when we listen to still still small voice and we follow in obedience, realize that he is waiting to reward you tenfold, twentyfold, hundredfold of everything that you've laid down, he will replenish back to you multiple times. I'll close this one last little story. During that journey of, of being in business, we're in the process of getting ready to build this building. My childhood Bible, it actually is underneath this platform here. Now I'm thinking about, at the time it was a very spiritual thing of like I'm investing something here. Now I'm kind of like, my, my Bible's down there. I can never look at that again. But, uh, but that's good. There's very spiritual significance about that. And that time of building the church, I was in business and, and I, I felt the Lord was asking me to say, would you commit your most profitable house to help build this church, selling of the selling of the most profitable house. I was a land developer building homes and, and for the next three years. I was just reflecting on this the other day, and I did. So isn't it interesting, though, that investment of, of all of that, how much? That was way before I was on staff or doing anything. I was a worship leader, actually, right back there where John was. I was the guy on the keyboard leading worship, and I was like, I could never do that today. But So thank you, Pastor Richard, for doing that. Laying down some things along the way felt like a cost at the moment, but the joy that, thinking of a verse right now, the joy that set before me and for Christ, the joy of, of following Jesus when he calls. Now I'm standing in this very place, and the very place that I gave to is giving back to my family and paying my salary. Thank you so much, church. That's part of what your giving does. So can I say thank you? I appreciate your generosity because it allows me to live out my calling to serve you. So thank you. You guys can give yourself a applause for that. I appreciate it. <laughs> but isn't it interesting, the very place that you choose to sacrifice and invest, the Lord's saying, I'm multiplying that 10, 50, 100 fold. If I did the math, if I stay here another 10 years, which I'm planning to do, um, you do the math and saying like, oh, you're right, Lord. You, you've just multiplied that. And you don't give to get. You don't sacrifice for the reward, but you do it in obedience. But know this, that he's a good father. And Jesus is so faithful that when he calls us into something, he always provides for us. Don't be afraid. Do not be afraid. Church, rise up with courage and be willing to say, I will tune my ear to what the Spirit of God is calling me to, and I will not be afraid to, what, to let, lay down what God has asked me to lay down, to follow Him. Fear will grip you. And be honest with you, I, I have to come to terms myself if the Lord said, would you sell 
this, 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 or would you give away this, 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 like the rich young ruler? And I have to say, I am, I'm in a wrestle with that. To be honest with you, I'm in a wrestle with that. But maybe God will give me the grace if he asks me to do it. I think I would. Right now, he's not asking me to do that. And, and that's the, the challenge. He's not saying everybody has to go do that. We all, the only thing we have to do is listen to his voice and do what he's asking us to do. But it will take courage to overcome the fear of losing something temporal to gain something eternal. But I want to just help you to understand when Jesus calls you to something, he's going to multiply that something. He's going to multiply anything that you feel like you're sacrificing today. He's going to multiply for you for all eternity. And the Bible says, even in this life. Welcome to Church Online. My name is Pastor Mark, and I just want to say thank you for taking the time to join us in watching our services online. Maybe you can't be at our location today and you're watching this from home or on the road. We just want to say thank you for tuning in. And maybe you can't get to a physical location at Grace Capital Church, then this becomes part of your regular routine to do church live on your computer or on your device. We want to say, Invite some friends with you. Do church together. Life is so much better together and discovering what God has for us is meant to be done in community. Gather people together and enjoy these services for weeks to come. Thank you for watching.